Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. I'm Jerry, And I'm Jo. And this is our fourth podcast on the Journey Through the Life course. Each month, one podcast will be dedicated to the human journey through the social work lens from pre-birth to end of life. Last month, we looked at childhood and this month it's adolescence. And I have a few thank yous before we start talking about adolescence. Um, some, for some people who've liked us on Facebook, which is really nice, and um, we're starting to get a few more likes on there. So thanks to Shelley, Avi, Melissa, Kate and Scholar. And thank you also to um, new listeners that we have acquired in India and the Philippines and Germany. It's really nice to see people downloading the podcast out there. It is. And you can tell us what you think of Helpful Social Work um, either by visiting our website and commenting at www.helpfulsocialwork.com or by commenting on iTunes or on our Facebook page, Helpful Social Work. So adolescence, the definition is transitional phase of growth and development between childhood and adulthood. And this is really interesting because it's not straightforward, actually. Um, in many societies, adolescence is kind of linked right into puberty and the cycle of physical change, and it um, culminates or finishes when you're able to reproduce, so when you are able to have a child yourself. In other societies, it's kind of understood in much more broader terms, so they think about the psychological and the social and the moral terrain as well as that strictly physical aspect. Um, and in those societies where it's much broader, adolescence typically refers to the period between 12 and 20 and it roughly is, is, you know, your teen years. Um, however, the World Health Organization classifies it as starting at 10 and ending at 19 years old. Um, and we know in children's services that we remain responsible for looked after children until 25. Yeah. So the age range can be really difficult to pin down, and that's because this phase of development begins in biology and um, ends in culture. Yeah, so it's going to be different, isn't it, depending what context you're in, what culture you're in. Um, and, of course, we've got a range of different cultures in the UK. I, th I think the thing that's really interesting about adolescence is that every group of adults will struggle to understand the experience of the adolescence following them um, because it's going to be different from our own. And also because it's going to be difficult for adolescents to articulate, given that culture is really dynamic and changing and and they're changing so I think we're always going to struggle to really understand adolescence I think that's right the um, generation gap is is alive and well isn't it um, and I you know having having an adolescent of my own Pete and I my husband and I we often have a laugh together because actually we never thought we would be the generation that didn't understand but of course we are, of course we are, like every generation before us. And there's um, also a really interesting root to the word adolescence. So it's from um, Latin via Old French, um, from adolescere, which means to, to grow up, which, but is very closely linked to the word to grow, um, which is also really closely linked to the word to feed or to nourish. So there's a kind of sense of growth which I totally understand, but also a, ten a sense of having to nourish as well. Mm. So that this idea that adolescence is a time when there's so much growth that they kind of need additional input and additional 
nourishment and cultivation maybe and I think maybe that's why it's so fascinating because there's so much going on and because there's obviously support and attention required from the world around the adolescent however it's yeah, going to be difficult I, to get that right isn't it what what exactly is it that we're supposed to be doing for me it, it's really interesting to see how often adolescents are still hemmed in and dominated um, by the adult world if you think about it they can't vote till 18 yet many of the issues which we're debating today such as climate change will have a direct impact on how they live their lives, much more actually than how it will have on ours. Adolescent behaviour is often classified as childish or rude or puerile, but behind every lazy or unhelpful stereotype is a child who's really trying to work out what it is to be an adult from the examples of those who were who were around them, you know. I found this really funny quote, which uh, which tickled my fancy. Children now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders, love chatter in the place of exercise. Children are now tyrants, not the servants of their household. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents, chatter before company, gobble up dainties at the table, cross their legs and tyrannise their teachers. And that's um, been it's been attributed to Socrates, um, you know, around 469 BC. So that's crazy. Well, yeah, two and a half thousand years ago, there was still this, there was the same um, concerns about the next generation. Yeah, absolutely. But as you said earlier, the bottom line is this: adolescence is a time of change, and there's a really powerful combination of biological, psychological, and social changes. They're all contributing. Um, to the greater likelihood of younger people um, engaging in risk-taking behaviours or experimentation, impulsive behaviours. They're absolutely part of the normal teenage experience. Um, and with most, with support, most young people will navigate these challenges successfully and emerge as healthy, functioning adults. But we really need to be the whole time thinking about that nurturing and that nourishment and how we are caring for our young people and what we're putting around them. And I had this, um, I heard this talk once where uh, this woman said about young people's brains that um, it's like growing a garden and that adolescence is the time to decide what you want to plant in your garden. What is it that you want in your garden of life? And I thought that that was a beautiful image. And so if we're meant to be caring for adolescents, what do we want to give them to choose from? to plant in their garden of life. So I wanted to say a bit about um, who we're talking about exactly. So the last census in the UK, which was 2011, there were 7.4 million 10 to 19 year olds. That's 12% of the population. 20% uh, of this group was from what was classed as ethnic minority backgrounds, which is higher than the population as a whole. 18% were living in families classified as having material deprivation and low income which is quite alarming, really. Uh, and then across the world, there's a UN report in 2012. So there's 1.6 billion people that they class as adolescents of 12 to 24. And the population generally is declining in that age group, apart from in Africa, where it's still increasing really rapidly. Mm. So by 2040, 28% of adolescents will live in Africa. Um, there's quite a lot of uh, adolescent migrants. So 35 million um migrants were aged 10 to 24 um, and 
quite a lot of those migrants are moving into developed countries. So you'd expect in the UK again there to be quite an impact from that. Um, and depending on when you move, settling in and acquiring the language and acquiring the culture um, can be much more of an adaptation. It's, it's more difficult for older children or you know young adults than it is for young children. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what is happening to these young people? Yeah, what is happening? What's going on inside them? Well, um, I guess that some of the things, important things for us to remember is that turmoil and confusion are necessary aspects of development in adolescence. And so because of this, we should really expect to see an increase in risk behaviour and associated episodes of actual harm or distress and that we should kind of see that as a normal part of growing up. So, you know, young people take take more risks. They seem to have, I always think of them, Jerry, like um, a Ferrari car because really in lots of ways adolescents are at their peak. They have great strength. They have great mental agility. Um, they have great um, contact with their emotions. They're full of ideas. And so they're like this really powerful car in the hands of a lunar driver. Um, and, and they feel out of control themselves. So some of the typical tasks, the things they need to do, they need to distance themselves from their parents. So they need to take all of their emotional investment and they need to shift it from their parents to their peers. And this is really, really tricky um, because they've got to find a safe peer group to do that with, remembering that all of those peers are struggling with the same things. And then the parents need to find some way to still nourish and guide them and provide a secure base and a safe haven, even though the child will be pushing away at them. So it's a time when you need to almost take tighter control of the reins, um, but let them have more space at the same time, if that makes sense. So you don't lose contact with them, but you let them range further. And I think a lot of the job um, that I've had over the years as a social worker has been to really help parents understand that they need to stay in contact with their adolescents at the same time as allowing that adolescent to kind of reject them, their values, their teachings, be challenging, um, dismiss their opinions and all those kind of things. Very tricky. Adolescents are really um, searching for their identity and their integrity and their worth. They really, who am I? Am I the same person I was yesterday? Because... And issues such as climate change, but also war and negative news and things like this, they're really big in the adolescent world. And the adolescents feel both powerless and frightened by these huge issues. So you can often get those stories of, well, why why should I do anything? It doesn't matter anyway because, you know, the earth is just not even going to exist. So big globalised stories um, of distress come about at the same time. They start to realise their parents are not all-knowing. This is disappointing, isn't it? (laughs) They become aware they've got freedom and responsibilities. Some of them don't want those responsibilities, so they move between being mature and taking on the responsibility and then then the next day being really childish and trying to go back to childhood again. So they flip and flop, flip and flop. So it's kind of the task of life, isn't it, to test out who you are and to try new things and to constantly be thinking about where you're going in life. Um, yeah. But it it's really the focus from what you're saying of, of those particular years of adolescence and 
there's probably actually quite a lot adults could learn from that if we could remember that and be patient with it we probably would would benefit from doing some more of it ourselves I, I think that's right and I think the thing about an adolescent is because that emotional side of their brain is really switched on they feel it so intensely and I think what happens in adulthood is we dull it a bit we kind of we're, we're still struggling with things but we kind of have a longer perspective on it whereas for an adolescent it's absolutely immediate it's like Romeo and Juliet seeing each other and falling in love in that second you know and lots of people going oh that doesn't happen but for adolescents mm. everything is intense yeah and yeah. I think that's that's the one of the things is then helping people to process that level of intensity without being totally overwhelmed by it I think that's exactly right. The bottom line is that the emotional stress and the loss of self-confidence that comes in adolescence um, can be very, very difficult for them to manage. And they need to be the same as their peers, but yet they need to be different from their peers. So they want to be accepted, but they still want to have their own sense of uniqueness. Um they really want to test out their parents and test out whether their parents care or not. And all of these things can lead to fractures in the child-parent relationship. Uh, this is, you know, some of the things social workers see is where the adult themselves hasn't got a lot of resilience or coping skills or resources. Um, then this teenage, this adolescent time, the testing that the, the adolescent puts you through can fracture the parent-child relationship and cause real distress between both of them. And we would see lots of adolescents coming into care because it's almost like the parent has come to the end of their cope because of the limited context. That is really important, isn't it, when we're thinking about what, who social workers are working with. Obviously, they're working with the adolescent, but also with the impact of the adolescent on those around them and the mm -hmm. impact of those around them on on the adolescents. It's like we were saying with the children, you know, it's not ever, children don't grow up on their own yeah. and adolescents don't go through this or we don't get through this successfully on their own. Definitely not, even though they will want to. And it's, and it's sometimes, you know, it's um, adolescents don't always talk to adults easily. And sometimes actually they, they don't know what to say is the truth. Like we're asking them questions, why questions often, why this, why that? And actually they can't tell us that. It was just an impulse can't. maybe, or they didn't understand it. Yep. The other thing that's interesting here, I think, is something that you've you put in the notes about the misperception sometimes of how mature adolescents yes. are, that they can look like adults and be, mm. and we can overestimate how grown up they are. I think that's exactly right. I I kind of I do worry about the age of criminal responsibility being ten years old, um, and I also have my concerns about the expectations the education system puts on our young people. But by the same token, we've also got to think back to the fact that we have a longer period of childhood and adolescence now than we have had ever. Um, you know, historically and not that long ago, people of 14, 15 onwards were actually treated as adults and were expected 
to get out and work and take huge responsibilities, um, you know, have children. I'm not saying that these things are desirable, but we've now extended that period of adolescence. And one of the reasons that we have, I think, is because research is telling us more and more about the brain. And we now understand that adolescence is like a period of exuberance where the brain is very plastic. You know, it keeps growing and developing really actively until we're about 25 years old. Um, and so we understand that this kind of period in, a, in adolescence life is all about brain growth and how important it is to support them through that. And in particular, the executive function of the brain, which controls thoughts, behaviour, directs attention, plans future tasks, inhibits inappropriate behaviour and keeps more than one thing in mind at once, this capacity actually reduces in adolescence. So at the same time as the emotions, this intense emotional experience blossoms, the ability to kind of manage it is reduced. You've just made me think sure of something why, quite important here, which is about social workers, actually. So, um, so what you've got me thinking is that at this period of like exuberance um, mm. in my early 20s, that was when I was doing voluntary work abroad. And then I was doing my social work course. I actually qualified when I was 25, which was quite young then. But now, mm. of course, you can do a degree and qualify as a social worker when you're 21. Um, mm. You can be doing your placement when you're 18. And there's an immense wealth of experience and maturity and knowledge amongst the cohorts going and doing that, those social work courses. Um, but there's also surely a real responsibility on colleagues and supervisors to be aware of the fact that this is potentially yeah. quite a turbulent time. Yeah. I was really lucky that I had a very good supervisor because I did get a bit carried away when I was a newly qualified social yeah. worker and do some things that were well ahead of my brief without telling people yeah um, absolutely. and then we were a bit risky and actually yeah. it was good that I I was I had a supervisor who sat down with me and explained to me why the processes and things were in place and gave me a yeah. lot of extra supervision yeah so that good those good processes and those same good processes are helpful for adolescents adolescents are bright able innovative creative exciting wonderful human beings but they need us to be providing structure for them that they find helpful and useful and you need to keep that structure around them to contain them without letting it strangle them and I think sometimes society gets that a bit wrong and we do a bit of you know squashing of them rather than actually allowing them a framework to be safe in um, I think the other important thing here just to know is that actually a lot of um, adolescents go through this period completely successfully without any turmoil or distress at all. And even though, you know, mental health um, in adolescence is being highlighted as a real issue and it is a real issue, not everybody will suffer with those type of difficulties but we're recognising that more people do, and there's all sorts of reasons for that. Um, and some of them are about our biology. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's good to have that, um, that backdrop, actually, because I'm going to talk about some of the issues um, from the research mm -hmm. that 
you know, particular challenges for adolescents. But yeah, this isn't everyone and there's no reason why people won't successfully navigate it. So there's a World Health Organization report in 2014, which looked at um, almost a quarter of a million young people across Europe and North America and found that actually um, children, young people in England, Wales and Scotland um, were at high levels of stress and worries compared to other countries, particularly girls, mm. and that um, they were less likely to report high levels of satisfaction with their lives than other children, apart from in Poland and Macedonia. Um, and teenage boys and girls in England, Scotland and Wales were also among the most stressed at school. Mm. Um, there was a real concern amongst young people about their appearance, um, particularly weight, and that's something that's echoed in other studies, actually, around kind of body image and the impact of social media. Um, and that leads into you know, what you're saying about mental health um, issues. In 2017, research from University College London, looking at young people in England, that found that nearly a quarter of 14-year-old girls and 9% of 14-year-old boys were depressed. And that's, I mean, that's quite a high proportion, but it's really it about is. awareness, isn't it? Um, mm. And the other things are, you know, to be aware of amongst teenagers are risk-taking behaviours like drugs and alcohol. Um, and actually, interestingly, um, um, alcohol use is, is decreasing in the UK amongst teenagers, but there's still risky alcohol use. Um, and there's risky drug-taking use. I think that there's a lot more acknowledgement um, about these things that you've raised and I think there's a lot more proactive activity which is great. Yeah the other thing that we're kind of very aware of at the moment I think is um, youth violence. Yes. Um, yeah. So there was a cross-party commission set up in 2017 to look at the causes and impacts of youth violence again in England, Scotland and Wales rather than Northern Ireland um, and their interim report's really interesting so it points to not being any quick fixes really and that the root causes include issues around trauma and mental health but also inadequate state provision um, issues mm -hmm. with parental support and poverty and social inequality so the whole kind of ecosystem yeah they were unequivocal call in saying that the financial climate has exacerbated youth violence um, i think this is right jerry for me young people who feel a sense of distance from the communities and societies they're in, as if they're not valued, as if there's no hope for them, no opportunities for them. They they are going to look for ways to express that that distress and that anger and that disillusionment, um, and some of it will turn into violence for sure. Yeah, and there was um, also pointed to links between. Uh, schools, school ex exclusions, um, so that inability really of schools to effectively support people for all kinds of reasons, um, issues with lack of trust with the police, um, and then the impact of criminal activity, so people getting drawn into, for example, drug markets. Um, yeah. And I think the, um, the proposed solutions from that report, which would need a lot of work, are, are completely right. So. Um, looking at early intervention and supporting kind of healthy development um, and social um, inclusion, having proper youth services, having good support in schools, having opportunities for employment and investing in community policing and reviewing how we respond to drugs. Um, yeah. 
And I think for me, proper youth services, like it, it, a lot of our services have been cut and one of the areas where they've been cut is in the youth service field. And yet we know that if we talk about that nurturing um, and that idea of adult support and as children are trying to leave their family, if they can't fit into a healthy, active peer group, then they will drift towards other adults. And so it's good for there to be good, strong adult role models around who are able to be helpful to them. And, and you know, that's what youth work is all about. And so for me, these are, these are issues that social workers are typically working with, you know, young people who are, who are disenfranchised from their communities or where their community, where in their communities to be, to fit in actually dealing drugs or crime or those types of drinking alcohol that's part of how you fit into that community um, so the larger community is dysfunctional and stressed that they're around and they belong to that very hard to break out of that um, of obviously the gangs issue children wanting to belong and so creating a family that um, is full of risk-taking and of course we know that if you um have experienced abuse and neglect or if you've had distress in your childhood then sometimes your kind of adrenaline meter can be set on a bit dodgy so you can need more excitement to feel a high um, and so you look for stronger and stronger thrills and those thrills you know come from almost breaking the law or breaking the law or risk-taking um, so social workers are working with young people who are in those kind of situations. We're also working with young people who are who are being rejected by their parents or moved into independence by their parents before they're ready or equipped to be able to do that. Um, and that can be quite distressing too. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the um, – well, we haven't talked specifically about different kinds of services in you know for youth services we haven't talked specifically mm. about children and adolescent youth mental justice. health services or youth yeah. justice or teams working with child sexual exploitation or teenage pregnancy yeah or um learning disability services um and yeah. i suppose all of these all of these kind of challenges that children might face are exacerbated um in adolescence aren't they and adolescence and disability is something worth really thinking about because somebody who has a disability, either physical or um, intellectual, will still be going through adolescence. And so they'll still have all these hormone surges. They'll still have the sexual um, desires. They'll still have the want to move away from their parents into their peers and all these kind of things. And that can be really, really difficult for adolescents with disabilities. And it's so important that we support parents to think of their child with a disability as, as, as an adolescent who is trying to separate and trying to send, forge their own sense of identity and is um, still experiencing all of this um, hormone and growth that every other adolescent is. Yeah. yeah so we haven't particularly talked about, um, about working with adolescents with learning or physical disabilities um, or severe and complex mental health problems who would need mm. to go on go on needing support into adulthood um, we yeah. did have a podcast in our last series on transitions 
which mm-hmm. did look at some of those um, challenges. Uh, so this this is more this conversation is more about support that's required at this time, but possibly not beyond it. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, social workers will be working with with both groups, and those you know, people will move in and out of those groups, won't they? There'll be some people who need support for a lot longer than others. Absolutely, and and if your adolescent development is disrupted and you experience lots of distress, then I think it is quite natural to understand that that's going to extend that period. And that's one of the great reasons that, you know, we've moved um, our offer for care leavers up to 25, because it's an acknowledgement that it lengthens that, that period in a way. You know, if you can't get all your jobs done because that's being interfered with by great swaths of stress or difficulties, then um, it's going to delay things, isn't it? So we need to support them for much longer. And I think for social workers, we have to have that grounding again, as we've talked about in other podcasts, of what development might look like through adolescence, but also Mm. be really aware that there's loads and loads of environmental factors and determinants and individual factors it's different for everybody and also that there's emerging issues all the time because this is a point where people are highly engaged in the culture around them Mm. and because our world is changing um, some of the things that social workers are working with now like child sexual exploitation 10-15 years ago was was, wasn't thought about in that way and I think they you know gang violence and um criminal exploitation is something that we're only really starting to properly think about and who knows what we're missing and what you know what will emerge next and i think the work around contextual safeguarding is particularly um important here and to kind of you know read up about that if you're a social worker working with adolescents contextual safeguarding which really asks you to look at adolescence in the widest possible light that you can and not just look at family dysfunction at the cause of their distress but also look at the communities um, that they're mixing in and understand them on a much wider level is is very helpful. So yeah similar to the the triangle the child child triangle we have to think about what's going on for the in in adolescence and for this particular adolescent Um, what are their connections and relationships? Um, what's their family and who do they see as family now? Who are their networks? And mm. what's going on more widely? What's the society like for them? What opportunities have they got? How yeah. included are they? Um, and I suppose for those reasons, you know, because we're trying to think holistically about this, we do need to work always again with other agencies and be working with communities, not just with the individual. Mm. Absolutely. And we need to like them. I guess that's what we, I mean. I know that sounds obvious, but no, for me, it's a great point. One of, one of the things is that, you know, love them, like them, be interested in them, their sparkiness and their their ability to push back at us and to test and all of that stuff. There's a lovely courage um, and a lovely energy that can come from working with adolescents and we should remember that we're on their side. We've just got to a place sometimes when you get older that you actually do see young people as a danger as well as a risk. And we haven't really talked much about that. Mm. But we need, we need to challenge that view. 
Because if we keep seeing them as other, then we're not going to offer them enough as a society. And so, you know, liking them and admiring them and being interested in what they're trying to achieve and giving them some space to achieve things, I think, is really important. Yeah, and seeing their potential, um, even if it takes a bit of time to emerge. One of the things that makes me has made me sad in the past is the idea that if you're two weeks before your 18th birthday, you've only got two weeks to for us to figure out what support you need and then you're done. Yeah. Um, you know, that idea of the cliff edge. And I think it's great yeah. that it's now, you know, with their support up to 25, but for, we for don't want to ever give up on people, do we? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, if if, some, <laughs> if this young person's going to hopefully live for another 60, 70 years, yeah. we don't want to only give them two weeks to... No. No, we don't become an adult. And, yeah, and every and and it's just you know and and also too because of that period of brain exuberance, then it's a period where we can help them re rewire things. You know, cognitive behaviour therapy is really important at this um, stage, and we should be doing a lot of it as social workers. A lot of kind of getting them to rewrite scripts. A lot of getting them to – we're kind of trying to help them get their brain online, make their brain stronger. Their emotional muscle, that's the dominant muscle. And so what we're trying to do is help them balance that those emotions with their brain and get that more online. Yeah, well, that actually leads me into the questions for reflection, which I thought might be how can I, thinking as an adult, better understand what it's like being an adolescent right now because we're not going to get it however much we might think when we're when we're younger that we would never be one of those people who didn't understand and we also, are those people <laughs> <laughs> yeah how can i see adolescence as a positive stage yeah. full of excitement and potential um and there's um a really good blog isn't there from research and practice 2016 um, and in this article, a young person draws out some of the key messages from research in practice on understanding adolescence. And um, newspapers only publish bad news about young people. They only talk about us taking drugs, having unsafe sex and causing trouble. It's important to remember that all young people, even troubled ones, have lots of skills that can be improved so they get better chances and better health. Absolutely. And then the early adolescent years, are the years where the brain has a massive growth spurt. I mean, I've raved about this, so it's good to hear that it's, you know, here in the research and practice document. Um, the only time when there is bigger growth is in the first year of life. It's just fantastic, isn't it? And it's so fast and it leads to new skills and a better memory. And this means we have a chance to change a pattern of behaviour which may have been getting us in trouble. So please don't give up on us. Yeah, it really echoes what you're saying, wasn't it, about the, the scope for um for change and development and growth and yeah and nurturing so this is a young person saying don't give up on us and that means that even while they're pushing us away they know they need us around and maybe we'd leave that image of the beautiful garden you know what kind of gardens what kind of mind gardens are we helping the young people grow because those are the gardens that will create the world of tomorrow.